Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. Fight! I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And for now, we make up the (laughs) Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Again, for now, we don't know what the Pac-12 is going to look like. Uh, We did an emergency show uh, last week. I'm actually traveling, so we're a remote uh, we won't have any of the cool sound effects. Probably can't do any voicemails and stuff this week. Uh, but David and I are doing another show. And we have a very special guest who will be joining us in a minute. Uh, John Canzano, Ball Face Truth, the man, the myth, the legend up in the Pacific Northwest. So we're going to get him on. He put a column up a little earlier today. Today's Thursday. We're recording this. So we're going to talk about all of that. We did the show, like I said, emergency show like a week ago. And we got to digest a little bit more of what's going on uh, in the Pac-12 a lot of rumors, a lot of innuendo, a lot of fun stuff, David, out there. I mean, silly season times 10, I think, when you're talking about a whole conference and not just replacing a coach. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, I'm I, I think I'm literally going through like the stages of grief about this whole thing because you know, initially I was kind of like, uh, oh, this is kind of stupid. Then you had me more or less convinced it was, you know, a really, really good thing. Uh, because you were just so gleeful, like an absolute just chud, just so gleeful on that last podcast, just pissing everyone off. People didn't like it. No. And now, usually, you are usually the one that pissed people off. And I was making them mad. Yeah, it's when you uh, it's when you go mask off and you show them you show them the real soul behind those eyes, those dreamy eyes. I like big um, moves, man. I like big moves. You love big moves. But then I like was starting to grapple with like the idea of watching UCLA play like Purdue and caring about it. And I'm like, I that sounds horrible, man. Like it just doesn't sound good. And yeah, I get UCLA is going to make more money, but come on. I mean, uh, this is this goes back to my whole thing. Is the goal of this sport to just make money? Like, is the goal of college athletics to just be 
make your school the most profitable it can be? Because that's the goal of a lot of professional baseball teams these days. And let me tell you, professional baseball is one of the worst goddamn things to watch in the world right now. Yeah. Um, And I'm very concerned about the way this is going, Um, because if it's all just driven by how much money you can make, then uh, what's in it for the fans, really? Um, You know, it's because let me tell you, I mean, I know USC, you know, you're all super excited about this. There is going to be a meaningful impact of playing so many goddamn road games in the Big Ten. No, and that meaningful right. impact is going to be to the win losses. And uh, if it, you know, it, it, that if that's cool with everyone, you make a bunch more money, but you lose two more games a year on average. Okay, but it's not going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obviously a little more optimistic than than you are in this stuff, but I would say there's definitely going to be challenges. And it's one of those things where it's just like a cycle where do you want to be nationally relevant? Well, you better be able to make as much money as some of these other schools. And if you don't, you're not going to be nationally relevant, but then to make as much money as other schools, now you're leaving other schools behind and all. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big crazy mess right now. And it's fun to talk about. Um, There's the speculation. I mean, college football is more about talking about where people should be ranked, who should be, in the championship and all that, then the actual games themselves. It seems like talking about it is almost, and this is a time yeah, but, to talk but, about but, but on that point, on that point, Ryan, yeah. we're now going to be talking about like 40 teams instead of 130 because uh, the relevance of a lot of these teams are, it's going to drop off the map um, because the disparity grows so great when you don't, a, a lot of these conferences don't have financial anchors anymore. Um you know, L.A. was the financial anchor for the Pac-12. All those other schools, as competitive as they've been, rely upon the money from the L.A. market. I mean, Oregon and Washington, it relies upon. You're going to make people mad, David, if you say that. No, but uh, <laughs> I think it's a reality they all agree with. It's uh, they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, we're competitive anyway. But um, for the sustainability of those programs, you need the, the anchor of the LA market and yeah. for the sustainability of the big 12, you need the anchors of, you know, Texas and Oklahoma. I don't know um, in this very near future. Uh, it's it's going to lead to a lot of programs essentially dropping down to mid major status, which um, and a lot of otherwise, you know, programs that we, you know, know and love and care about. Um, so it's going to be, I don't know. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to be great. Um, I think it, uh, you know, to, to our point from last week, I think for USC and UCLA, yeah, it ensures them a, a seat at the table in the, in the whatever college football becomes, but it's not going to be the same thing. It's going to be something I think worse. Yeah. I mean, obviously college football is changing and it's just, that's constant and uh, you're trying to keep up. That's going to be the key. Unfortunately, we don't have a leader that keeps the you know betterment of the entire sport in in the back of their mind or in the front of their mind, you know, and it's it's really more about, hey, how can me as a conference where the power is get better and survive and the Pac-12 is trying to survive and the Big 12 and the ACC. And we're going to talk about all that with John Canzano. Is there a way to keep the teams relevant? And I think uh, Dave, what Dan Wetzel did a good column about, you know, Purdue's, you know, having the biggest drum or um, the army Navy game, there's a whole bunch of college football traditions. You just don't want to see that kind of stuff go away. So is there a way to do it where you're still having these power conferences as a relegation? I don't know. Uh, 
We'll see. But we'll, we'll get into all that kind of stuff with Kanzano. Uh, just to let everyone know, if you have any questions or comments for the show, Podcast at gmail.com, or you can call or text us at 424-532-0678. Tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast or go to our website, Pac-12Podcast.com. We're over on the Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. I like following the uh, the Reddit college football one. They have some funny stuff. Um, do you follow that one, David? I, I mean, I, I see their tweets from time to time. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, and if you have the Apple Podcasting app, please give us a follow at the Podcast of Champions. The show's been growing, so we love that for all of you. And it helps to grow when you leave us a five-star rating and some kind of review. It could be nice. We prefer it if you're mean to us, but we want those five stars because that definitely helps grow the show. Do we get any new ones, David? Any- we have, because uh, I don't think we read them last week. We actually have six new ones. Holy crap. Okay. All right. This is from S Young 434, five star rating. Uh, podcast champions Brian and Daniel are harder to listen to than a Joe Biden speech. One is constantly blowing Lincoln Riley on air, the other is basically an on air UCLA emo. Other than the constant gagging sound coming from Brian and the nonstop whimpering from Daniel, the show's not bad. Would rate it slightly below scraping my balls through glass. <laughs> Five star rating. <laughs> Five star rating. Follow this the rules. is from <laughs> JB Class 80 slash 82. Pod of Champions. Ryan is absolutely wonderful. David is maybe a little smarter than a Trumper. Love the coverage and the humor. So two political ones to start out with. Wow. Okay. This is from Simba GP Tech, five stars. Pac-12 podcast. Glad pick six previews recommended the podcast for Pac-12 content. Prefer their intros take less time and they get to the meaningful content. Like the perspective of the conference and passion. Rather have shorter episodes than excessive rambling off topic. I get what I need out of the show regardless. Thanks. Oh, sweet summer child. Love that. (laughs) Uh, This is from Hail to the Cougars, five stars. Pity stars. Not a pack whatever fan, but have listened for years, mostly for the in-depth analysis of Disney shows and any other random topic du jour. After four plus years of listening, I decided it was time to give a consolation five stars. I don't know what will happen to the pod now with actual football being played and covered. Love it. Pack whatever. I like that. Uh, five stars. A renter in airport country. Podcast of capitalists. Someone had to go first. And just like Ryan and Dave talking about their rising career prospects, I'm going to talk about my impending rising undergarment prospects. As we fully enter the name, image, review, likeness era with the Big Big Ten League annexing the second largest media market, I will set the market for a new five-star review. I've seen the money being tossed around this podcast by Jockey and demand that when the uh, Big Ten League gains its official denim sponsor... I'd be given a set of full suspenders, functioning parachute, and warm thermal underwear should ever the need arise that I must jump from a regularly scheduled commercial flight to attend a live game in a small small bespoke town that obviously has no place to land a plane. (laughs) But truly, I do congratulate you on finding your own golden parachute. It is a testament to this podcast that an investor is willing to purchase two overvalued collegiate sports franchises just to obtain your creative services. Yet the look of horror on the Silicon Valley venture capitalists at losing the deal to the Big Ten must be real. However, you need not know how to properly count, only how to multiply to see that one pile of cash is three times the size of another. P.S. If you wish to retain the champion's moniker, the Pac-12 was at 544. The Big Ten is at 299. USC and UCLA are combined at 230. The new arrangement is at 529. To cross the high watermark for victory, you only need to add any single other member of the current Pac-10 except Washington, Oregon State, Washington State, 
who co- would collectively leave you tied? Uh, well, actually, if USC and UCLA leave, then the Pac-12 loses all those, right? So the Big True, Ten. But you want to you want to rise above where where you. Were oh, previous. previous. Okay, gotcha. All right. And finally, from Cav Nelson, a five-star review, shattered Pac-12 dreams. After listening to these two clowns gloat over my shattered dreams for an hour and a half last week, I'm still going to come back to the proverbial teat that is the podcast of champions. Not only did my team's conference crumble in my hands as I wept, but I learned that Ryan and Dave are stoked out of their minds to trade the beautiful West Coast for flyover country. Money truly corrupts. Here's to two more seasons of the podcast of champions, soon to be the podcast of assholes. I think we probably already are the podcast of assholes too. Would you say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's. I, I think that's probably right on the nose. Yeah, right on the money. And let me you know, before we get John in here, let me say um, that was the day this stuff happened, and it's everything was pretty raw. I think I, you know, when I did the my emergency USC podcast, I probably expressed more sorrow. Uh, for the Pac-12 than I even did on this show when we talk about the Pac-12. Um, you know, when it became like all official, you're sort of like, just kind of dump out like, holy cow. Like it, for me covering this team for as long as I have, I've just never seen them act like this and make moves like this. They just kind of went in lockstep with whatever the conference went. And they didn't act like they were Alabama or Ohio State in the conference. And so a lot of it's just sort of like in shock too. Um, I'm... You know, people are asking me questions about, you know, where the when is UCLA is UCLA going to have to play like Minnesota in November or the Trojans going to uh, Illinois, you know, late, you know, right before the championship game, stuff like that. Like that stuff doesn't really interest me. The whole how this is going to work for USC and UCLA. I, I'm much more interested in what happens to the Pac-12 and is it going to be able to stay together? And can George Klayovkov pull a rabbit out of his hat? And uh, how do you somehow, you know, team up with the ACC and then leave the Big 12 behind? I, that's all very interesting to me now. Um, as far as like USC and UCLA, like I think you're, you're making a move to, you know, we know we learned that UCLA, that we're going to cut a whole bunch of sports. Like they literally weren't going to be able to have these sports anymore. Yeah, but, okay. So, so, so with that one, that's a whole bunch of bullshit from my You think my so? Yeah, yeah. So. UCLA's budget um, issues are uh, self-created in a lot of ways because uh, they don't fund the athletic department um, from central campus. Um, it's supposed to be kind of independently operated. Uh, they could have bailed them out at any point. And I think if it came down to cutting like 10 sports or bailing out the whatever $20 million a yearly debt or whatever it was going to be, central campus would have done that. Um, so, no, I think that's, that was, um, uh, uh, you know, some justification. Sure. I mean, yeah, it would have been hard for the athletic department for a while. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Agreed. But no, they weren't going to, they weren't going to cut 10 sports. Yeah. That was never going to happen. But it's like, you know, I'm, you know, I say, Hey, it's, this was, I, I don't think it's, you know, George Klyovkov's fault that he might've done some things incorrectly, you know, Larry Scott's around USC and UCLA not being good for a long time. That's a part of this. The presidents, holy cow! The 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 Chris Cartman stuff with Michael Crow, like the Arizona State, like what he said three years ago about just wait, you know, wait in three years, you're going to be talking about how the Pac-12 passed everybody. Like, how wrong can that dude be? You know, like those are the kind of no, things you, you just have... did, you just didn't understand what he was saying. How 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 quickly they would pass them into oblivion. 
Like how quickly like we they're going to beat the rush. They're going to beat the rush on college football being officially dead. They're they're going to they're going to they're going to achieve full death first. But there's just been a lot of bad leadership. And I you know, I've covering USC, they've had bad presidential leadership at the university level. They've definitely had bad athletic directors. Um they've hired some bad head coaches and it's you know, it's evident when you have really a lot of money being thrown around and you have terrible leadership uh, it sinks things and it's not necessarily all at once. You know, when Larry Scott made a decision in like 2009 to like wholly own the Pac-12 network, he had a decade to tell everyone why that was going to be beneficial later on. Like, just wait, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And so for 10 years, that's what you're hearing. And then all of a sudden you're going to find out that it's going to be a streaming thing that no one's going to pay for, you know, that's what you were, you were waiting on, like all this money you left behind. So it, it's sort of one of those things that analogy is like, you know, if you don't move your car on street sweeping day, you get a parking ticket. I mean, it might be fine. And you do it for like two months in a row and you don't pay any of those tickets. All of a sudden, like there's a boot on your car. Like it, all those bad decisions kind of pile up and there's a lot of them. And I think it starts with the presidents. There's certain ones like Crow from Arizona State that really enabled Scott to be there as long as yet longer than he should have been. Um, same thing at USC where you had you know, Lynn Swan keeping, you know, Clay Helton around a lot longer than he should have been. Um, so just like those bad decisions from people in power over time, you, you that's how we wind up here, you know, and it's, it's sad because um, a lot of great fans. Um, and I think they're the ones that are losing out on this, but I'm still hopeful that there's going to be something, a podcast of champions, I, I, you know, that we've got some suggestions about just covering those same 12 teams. I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, but we want to see the Pac-12 live, right? We want the Pac-12 to survive. Uh, so I I, we got to get to Gonzano here, right? Is he is he available? Oh, or are we still on. waiting? We're still waiting. Hold on. I'll check with him. Because I got, I got the thing with, with what UCLA and USC did here was I think there was leverage to use against the Pac-12 in their negotiation of their particular media rights deal that would have maybe resulted in slightly less money than what they're going to get in the Big Ten. But the situation for UCLA and USC, like from a competitive standpoint, it's vastly preferable to be in the Pac-12 than it is to be in the Big Ten. Like, what could you have extracted from the Pac-12 as it existed in terms of favorable percentages if you gave them the credible threat hey we're gonna bounce to the big 10 unless you come up with this 70 or 80 million a piece from the new media deal um instead of the 50 that they would get in an equal share if i'm the pac-10 looking at it now where it might be 200 or 250 million you get from the deal uh you'd sign up for that in a heartbeat so i i don't know i think there were ways for ucla and usc's leadership to uh be a little bit more big-minded than just taking the money grab yeah, I'm curious, and I want to get Gonzano's thoughts on this too. About what did um, did George Klyovkov reach out? Uh, was there going to was a a non equal you know sharing of the overall media pie? But this on is the table? on U- but this is on USC and UCLA. Use your leverage. You have leverage. You have to understand the competitive landscape. Playing in the Big Ten is going to be hard, not just because of the quality of the teams, but because of the distance. Like. All the money in the world doesn't relocate USC and UCLA. They are still hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles from most of the Big Ten campuses. 
you want to stay in a Pac-12. You just need to do it with more money. So what's the offer you can make the Pac-12? That's on UCLA and USC. Now, maybe that conversation did happen, but it's on them to ask for it. It's not on Klyavkov to offer it. No, I, I, I mean, if I'm George Klyavkov and I, I'm not going to take for granted that USC and UCLA are always going to be there. And no, you can't take it for granted, which is why you're open to any of those offers. But I mean, from all accounts, it sounds like the Pac-12 was completely blindsided to the point where, like, did UCLA and USC, did they have, look, I, I'm not, you know, there's college football. Yeah, it's become a monetary thing, but you guys are members of this conference for what, 100 years, 100 plus years. Maybe, maybe give them the opportunity to, to come at you with something, give yeah. you a counter. I, I don't know. Just feels a little, uh, I don't know. This I, is I, where I, I, I get a little bit conspiracy theorist about uh, the role Fox played in all this. Oh, I think it's a huge part of it. There was a, sorry. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. All right. I'm in uh, my living room, you know, let my dad know, hey, by, by the way, I'm uh, recording a podcast. Hey, no problem. I'll be quiet. Like literally sits on the couch next to me and then his phone just blows up like some video he's watching. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm doing. After working out in the yard, like my mom like had uh, shoulder sur- surgery. So that's why I'm here back in uh, Massachusetts. And so I was like tree trimming and all kinds of stuff. I am absolutely gross. Gonzano's like, hey, is this going to be audio only? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I look like crap right now. He's like, he goes, I'd have to fix my hair. So I'm like, all right, cool. Thanks, John. He's he's bald, by the way. So just so you guys know. There you go. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Oh, here. Hold on. He's got a message from him. He said it'll be right here. All right. Um, so it might be best for us to take a little break and come back um, and do a segment with John. And then we can do a segment with um, questions and stuff like that. Because we have a bunch of questions. I don't know if we'll get to all of them and stuff. But we had a good little preamble going here. So Maybe we'll wrap this one up and uh, take a little break here, and then we'll bring in John and uh, and go from there. So back in a minute, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. As promised, John Canzano doing a great job covering the Pac-12 from up in the Pacific Northwest. You can find them over at John Canzano, C-A-N-Z-A-N-O.com. Also statewide across the state of Oregon. He's on the radio from 3 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, John, and you follow him on Twitter at John Canzano. BFT for the bald face truth. John, how you doing, man? Doing well. I mean, I, I'm doing like everybody else in the Pacific time zone and in, uh, in this Pac-12 footprint, trying to figure out what's going to happen, what it means, uh, you know, should the Pac-12 have seen this coming, all of this stuff. 
what is, what's I, I mean we, we obviously have uh, the finger on the pulse of LA a little bit but what's the mood up in Oregon about just everything related to this right now I think people are bummed I mean I you know I think there's a real sense of loss of tradition and geography and you look at the history of the Pac-12 I mean it started in 1915 the original members of the Pac-12 and USC and UCLA and Oregon and Oregon State were part of that meeting in downtown Portland where they put together this conference. And then you think about sort of, you know, over the years, uh, you know, having the LA schools be part of this conference, having it be, you know, geographically isolated and the Rose Bowl being part of that tradition. I mean, uh, we have just seen, I think, in the last decade, the deterioration of all that tradition and history and and of course, then last week, this the news hits and, I, you know, I think people are, you know, it really varies. I mean, at, at Oregon State, I think they're worried. Washington State has to be worried, too. They're, they're a little bit different than some of the others. Um, but I think Oregon and Washington just don't want to be left behind. And, I, you know, I think if they could have it their way, they would tailgate the UCLA and USC right into the Big Ten. But the Big Ten does not appear to be interested in Oregon or Washington unless Notre Dame comes into the fold, and then maybe they would consider them. Yeah, we're kind of all waiting to see what Notre Dame does. Uh, there seem to be the next domino to fall or just stand pat and, and see what happens there. But one of the things you mentioned in the beginning, and I'll let you talk about a lot of topics we want to get into with you, uh, Washington, Washington State, for sure, the Oregon, Oregon, you know, Oregon and Washington. Um, I'm sorry, Washington State, Oregon State, and then Oregon and Washington being teamed up. But the you know, this was on the eve of the anniversary, the one year anniversary of George Klyavkov. I think all of us think that he's been doing a, a pretty good job. I don't really put a lot of blame on any of this on him. I mean, this is a lot of Larry Scott, USC and UCLA being bad for you know a long time. The president's making some terrible decisions. But do you feel like there was anything that George Klyavkov could have done in this first year? Because it appears like he was blindsided by this with the rest of the Pac-12. Is there something that could have been done to kind of prevent this or maybe delay anything to, that so it wouldn't drop like a bombshell like it did last week? Yeah, I think, you know, the conference was put on this path by the leadership of Larry Scott and really some bad decisions by a couple of few of the members of the CEO group. You know, I, I would look at Michael Crow at Arizona State. I would look at Ed Ray, the former president at Oregon State, and then Jane Block at UCLA. I mean, I think they sort of enabled the Larry Scott era to drag out longer than it should have. But, you know, I had one AD in the Pac-12 say, hey, George has been great, but George had one job. Do not let USC leave this conference. And USC got out of the conference. So, you know, day 365 of his first year was a bad day. And it really, I think, taints that first year because I think there was a lot of optimism, a lot of momentum and trajectory. Um, I think the conference is going to spin out of it okay, but not better than it would have been having the LA schools in the fold. One thing we were just talking about before you came on was. Um... Uh, about that, about um, what potential there was for keeping USC and UCLA in the fold. And the, the way the Pac-12 was blindsided makes me think that there was very little conversation about um, changing the revenue split, at least recently. Um, what's your sense of that? Was there any side of the conversation that was, you know, UCLA and USC saying to the Pac-12, hey, we're going to consider our options if you don't 
um, change up the the revenue split from the TV money or anything like that? If I was told by both USC and UCLA that they would have welcomed those kinds of conversations, but they never occurred. You go back uh, a decade, more than a decade, really 11 years ago is when, you know, the the uh, the deal to bring ESPN and Fox into the fold happened and it, the conference voted then uh, to, to give everybody equal shares. Now, I understand why the L.A. schools weren't happy with that. Uh, I wish someone would have raised their hand and said, hey, look, let's talk about having a better deal. Uh, but I don't even think the conference was focused on that. I think they were looking at the horizon and we've all done this. You get your eyes up a little too far in the horizon and you're worried about what's out there and you, and you trip over something that's right in front of you. I mean, and I think that's what happened. Um, but I was, I was told that the conference members would have welcomed a conversation about that if it meant keeping USC and UCLA in the fold. But the, the reality is, look, USC and UCLA justified more than $71 million each in potential revenue that they could bring to the Fox deal in the Big Ten. You know, the deal that, that the Pac-12 was going to negotiate would have brought them, you know, in the neighborhood of $40 million. So I don't know that even a conversation would have closed that gap. No, and I don't, and I guess that's kind of the follow-up is, because of the, com- so I, I guess m- I've got like some very nuanced thoughts on this, but like the competitive landscape for UCLA particularly, but USC as well in the Big Ten is going to be much worse than it was in the Pac-12, just the realities of the travel and everything. And I, I, I guess, do you consider it, do you think it was, um, I mean, do you pin the blame for not having that conversation on George Klyavkov or do you think it was incumbent on U- USC and UCLA just from a due diligence standpoint, to first have that conversation with the Pac-12? I think Klyovkov might have been too nice about it. You know, I heard that. I, one of the administrators at a conference, that, you know, a conference member who's staying is among the 10 that are left behind, told me, you know, George talked to USC and, you know, USC told him, no, we're in this, we're going to stay. You know, I think Carol Folt was doing what was best for her university, but you know, I don't know what more Klyovkov could have done other than just to say, hey, you're you're with us, right? And they say yes, and then you move on. But in UCLA's case, I don't think they had a choice. I mean, we've seen the numbers. They were talking about dropping sports if they couldn't get with the Big Ten Conference. So I think they were in much uh, a much more dire situation, and they're clearly along for the ride. You know, this is about USC going to the Big Ten, and UCLA is, you know, hitching a ride with them. But um, I don't know if it would have changed anything there, but I think Klyovkov would have felt better about it. I mean, he was on vacation celebrating day 365 on the job when he got the news. He was in Montana. Several of the university presidents uh, were out of pocket. I know Michael Schill at Oregon was in Chicago when it happened, and he was visiting his family. And, uh, you know, everybody sort of got dumped on their head when this happened. But I think we all could have looked looked ahead and said, okay, we can see the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma. It just makes sense that the Big Ten would would have been hunting for, you know, a big brand to stick alongside their existing uh, empire. And this is now for the Pac-12 about staying close. You, you're, you're not going to get to the billion dollar TV deal that Fox has. You're not going to get 71 million a year per university. But can you get that number closer to 40 again? And if you can, can you stay there for three or four years while this all sort of shakes itself out and, 
you know, maybe reposition. And I think the partnership with the ACC is, is the best path that they have in the short term. I want to get to that in a second, John. They, um, yeah, I talked to Mike Bone a couple of years ago and sort of made some news when, you know, it was probably his first podcast interview. He came on my show and, uh, you know, I asked him about, hey, is there, what, what would the, you know, the, the media deal isn't very good. Um, is USC going to explore doing things like going independent or joining another conference? And he said all things were on the table. And he had mentioned, you know, and he says Larry Scott knows that too. Larry Scott was the commissioner at the time. And then when, Everything started happening, you know, a year ago when Texas and Oklahoma end up leaving. We started talking about options. And I, the thing I was saying was there isn't a scenario where someone comes and like the Big Ten comes and poaches the Pac-12 and USC wouldn't be involved. And that's the only school. And I, I think Dave was pretty adamant that UCLA would most likely be involved. They ended up being that. I think a lot of Oregon fans kind of got mad at me because Oregon has clearly been the better program in the last 10, 15 years. I think they just had a hard time stomaching. It's like, look, USC is what they're going to want. And maybe Oregon's along for the ride. Maybe UCLA's along for the ride. Um, it seems like it's been it's been a tough, you know, sort of pill to swallow, I guess, for some of the from the Duck fans, which it sucks because the, the, the program's been so good. They've recruited really well. They've won a lot of games, Rose Bowls, all that kind of stuff. But there's just more at play at this when you're talking about a conference adding a team like that. I, I mean, I'm curious to see if Oregon and Washington do end up in the Big Ten, but have you kind of seen that from like Oregon fans that just sort of like kind of dumbfounded that this has happened like this? Yeah, and I think they're, they're you know, it's taken some education because you're right in that Oregon has the brand. Oregon has had some nice success in the last decade or 15 years. Uh, Oregon has Phil Knight and Nike in their pocket. But what Oregon doesn't have is it doesn't have 5 million television households in its footprint. And that's why USC and UCLA are the more attractive candidate for the Big Ten, because the Big Ten members were not going to subsidize their own earnings in this billion dollar deal. That billion dollar deal is now worth one point one four you know, billion because USC and UCLA are in the fold. Nobody in the Big Ten is going to have to take less money because those two teams are in. If Oregon and Washington are added uh, I'm told that the valuation for Oregon and Washington is a total of 60 million, not the 71 million each. So it's 30 million each. So it would require those Big Ten members to subsidize Oregon and Washington at the tune of, you know, six million dollars each every year. So Illinois, are you okay having 12 million less? No, they're not going to go for that. So. That's why Oregon and Washington aren't invited. The only way in for Oregon, Washington, or Stanford, and those are the three I think that would be on the table, would be if Notre Dame came into the Big Ten and you would need to add a second university for balance. And at that point, I think Oregon, Washington, and Stanford would be faced with, okay, uh, I'm the Big Ten conference. Uh, I'm not cutting you in uh, as a full share member. Let's let the three of you sort of jockey for this. And, you know, I could see a situation like where Maryland joined the Big Ten and they did not share as a full member for three years. I could see a situation like that if, if, if Oregon, Washington or Stanford got in. And I think you can make a case like the Bay Area is a better TV market. That's in Stanford's favor. Seattle's got television over over uh, Portland and Eugene. So that puts them in front. But Oregon's got the brand and the success. And at that point, I would be really curious what the Big Ten would do between those three universities. Your sense of things right now, just like looking at the landscape of this whole thing, does the Pac-12 fully dissolve? No. 
I think they're pulling together. And I, I wondered that in the, in the first 48 hours. But as I reached out to uh, officials at Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, they were the most likely to jump to the Big 12. That was going to be the next move, right? Uh, and as I talked with them, they said they, they all uniformly said they weren't that interested in going to the Big 12. They were only looking at the Big 12 as a fallback if Oregon and Washington had left the Pac-12. So if the Pac-12 is fully disintegrating, they wanted somewhere to go. Uh, the Big 12, I think, was really interested, especially in Utah and the Arizona schools. But um, the Big 12's got uh, problems of its own. I mean, its TV deal isn't great. And you have a commissioner who is brand new in that conference. I mean, it was it basically his first day on the job that you know, all this landed. So uh, I don't think that they're going to splinter. I had an athletic director tell me that if Oregon and Washington stay, the Pac-12 holds together. And, it, and, and I don't think Oregon and Washington have anywhere to go right now. So I think they are going to hold together in the short term. I think they're going to partner with the ACC. I think it's going to create some interesting uh, ESPN uh, crossover games. Uh, they won't be fully merging. So it keeps Miami, it keeps Clemson in the ACC. But I think you're going to see um, ESPN like salivate over the opportunity to have like Oregon play Miami in a crossover game or Clemson against Utah in a crossover game. And then you go into men's basketball and you have Duke and Carolina able to come into the Pacific time zone and play against Oregon and play against some other Pac-12 schools in crossover games. Further, here's another, uh, here's another uh, pot sweetener for you. Um, if you are the Pac-12, you have your conference championship game in Vegas. Okay, forget that. Instead, you're going to have your conference champion play the ACC conference champion your second place team will play the second place team in the ACC on that date in Vegas, two games. Uh, and you're able to showcase for the college football playoff, your first and second place teams in your conference. Again, it could be Oregon and Utah against, uh, you know, Clemson and Miami uh, and ESPN is going to love that because it's going to generate extra revenue. It's an asset that didn't exist before this partnership. And I think that helps these 10 PAC 12 members crawl towards maybe evaluation instead of 300 million for the total TV contract. Maybe they're at 350, maybe they're at 400 million all of a sudden. That, that's really interesting, John. And I, I think, like you said, the first 48 hours, you weren't sure was Oregon and Washington, just the next, you know, domino to fall Were the mountain schools and the desert schools going to go to the big 12. The fact that that hasn't happened. And, and I think once Klyovkov announced that they were going to, you know, open that negotiation window, it seemed like that was something like, okay, we have to do this now, get everybody, you know, we have 10 left. We're going to keep, we, the first thing is stop the bleeding, keep those, those schools from going somewhere else, and then come up with a great plan that's going to allow us to either get bigger or work with another conference, like you said, with the ACC. Um, it's funny with the big, you know, there's, there's three, not out of the, the top two, there's the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big 12. Um, do you think like a merger with the big 12 wasn't going to be possible and it just makes more sense with the ACC or it was, it was almost like the two conferences were trying to like eat each other. And it, the, the best thing to do is kind of partner with the ACC and then leave the big 12 behind. So it's kind of interesting how this power dynamic is, is playing out, but it, it seems like the best case scenario right now is that, that ACC partnership. Yeah. And it's rooted in the same thing that caused USC 
and UCLA to go to the Big Ten. I published uh, at johnconzano.com the this spreadsheet that really lays it out. It shows why the ACC is the better choice. Let's look at the Big 12 television households. This is the uh, Nielsen data of the DMA. The, you know, when you're looking at households in your footprint, the Big 12, even after you add Salt Lake City for BYU and Cincinnati and you add uh, the uh, Central Florida TV markets, the Big 12's total households is 15 million. The, you know, the, the Pac-12 after the loss of the LA schools is at about 12 million. So if you partner with a big 12, you know, your, your total households that you can reach, you're talking about 27 million total. Guess what? The ACC, it gets to New York, Atlanta, Washington, DC, Boston, Tampa. That's 28 million households in the ACC. It's not even close. And so I think the reason why the ACC is the best partner is ESPN is going to be highly motivated to respond to what Fox just did with the LA schools and ESPN needs to get into the Pacific time zone now because it won't have UCLA and it won't have USC after 2024. So I think you're looking at, uh, you know, ESPN gluing together the ACC and the PAC 12 in this nationwide network that, that reaches, you know, now would be a total of 40 million households between the two conferences. I, there's been a lot of kind of differing opinions about this, um, but I think I, I would say the general consensus among our uh, our learned uh, sports journalist types is that this is pretty bad overall for college football. Whether it's good for the individual schools is another question. What's your take on it? Um, wh- whether this is uh, you know net neutral or net negative for uh, college football generally? I think it's ne- it's negative, but I think we have to address. The role that we all play in it. Um, uh, you know, I was thinking about the viewing habits of the average sports fan and how it's changed in the last decade. We've seen fantasy football drive viewing habits. We've seen gambling drive viewing habits. We have a wide, wider uh, array of offerings on the sports uh, menu. You know, I changed the way I watch games. I used to watch my favorite teams wire to wire. Now, like a lot of people, I might tune in early. And then I go mow the lawn and I follow on Twitter and then the game's closer in the fourth quarter. I tune back in or maybe I'm not watching a game at all, but all of a sudden I see a bunch of activity on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I got to flip over to CBS or ESPN or Fox to, to see, you know, what's happening. And I think we all have to recognize that sports viewing, the experience of sports viewing has shifted from competition and uh, tradition to entertainment. It is pure entertainment now. And so I think we have to recognize that the same thing we're all upset about, all this TV money and it being about money and not geography and tradition, we play a role in that. Yeah. Um, the uh, As far as the Pac-12 goes, I think you're pretty confident that something's going to be done. I think no matter what happens, I think Oregon and Washington are going to be fine. I think the Mountain schools and the desert schools, they're going to be okay. I and mean, they have, they have a, a landing spot. The weird stuff, I mean, you have the Oregon State, Washington State, and if, could the state legislature do something where they would have to still be paired with their, you know, sister universities? And then the Bay Area schools are baffling. Like the, the one team you don't hear about is Cal because they don't really seem to, you know, UCLA was their partner, right? They're still, they're both UC schools and, and UCLA leaves. Stanford could do anything from, 
be a you know marquee member of the Big Ten to dropping sports. Like I don't. I mean, it just seems like there's. It's so weird what could happen to those last four schools if something doesn't happen, like a big deal with the Pac-12. Yeah, you know, I think right out of the gates, Washington State was, I think, terrified. And Oregon State, same. They had to be. Like, they were going to get left behind. The Pullman and Corvallis uh, market isn't going to move the needle. And, you know, they were, they're like, you know, they're not any different than Northwestern would be if the Big Ten were going to break up, you know, but except Northwestern's in Chicago and that would be attractive, right? So um, they didn't have those things. And I think they were nervous. There are lawmakers that are trying to get legislation that would marry the teams together. But in the end, I don't think that that would be a successful. And, and in some weird way, I think you'd be holding back Oregon and Washington if you did that. Like, you know, I, could you really justify that? So I think the Pac-12 staying together really benefits Washington State and Oregon State in particular more than anybody because they didn't have a natural path to the Big 12 as an escape. Um, you know, the Big 10 and the SEC aren't going to want them. Uh, they were looking at a future, I think, in the Mountain West Conference uh, or something like that. Uh, and instead, I think they're really excited about whatever Klyovkov is selling behind the scenes. All right. So put on your optimistic hat for the Pac-12. What is it? What's the scenario within, let's call it, eight years where post-breakup, the Pac-12's worked out, gotten in great shape, and makes USC and UCLA feel like they want to come crawling back? Part of it is, I think, going to be rooted in what happens to the non-football sports with USC and UCLA. Bill Moose, the former AD at Nebraska, told me this week that when Nebraska was making all those Big Ten trips, 1,500 miles, 1,800 miles, he said it really didn't affect football, but it killed the other sports because the other sports would leave on a trip get there, play a game or two, come back. And it was time to leave again. Like they, it really cut into their practice time. It cut into the academics and it made the athletes and those other sports, I think, um, uh, you know, feel bad about, you know, Hey, why is, you know, it's great for football, but this isn't great for us. So I think part of it is in that equation or that dynamic. But I think if the PAC 12 partners with the ACC, keeps the travel because it's just a loose partnership. They wouldn't be playing those non-football, non-basketball crossovers all the time. They might not play them hardly at all. Uh, So I think if they keep that going and if they can cement themselves as the number three option in this college football new world, uh, I think they could come out of this uh, and the, the spin out of this that makes USC and UCLA regretted a little bit might be the Pac-12 grabbing a couple of Big 12 properties that are attractive, uh, bolstering their, uh, you know, presence in that as the number three uh, conference or blend, and then uh, getting into the playoff ultimately. If they can prove that you can get into the playoff by staying in the Pac-12 conference and not have to deal with that travel and the, the grind of that with your other sports, I think in the end there might be a little regret. But USC and UCLA, any AD in the conference would have taken that $71 million payday. Anybody who tells you that they wouldn't have is lying. Yeah. Um, the, you know, talk about potentially taking some of the schools from the Big 12, but, you know, Bob Bowlesley, I thought, did a nice job after, you know, there was a lot of criticism when they got raided, uh, you know, adding Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, BYU. I mean, those were the best available you know, a group of five 
programs out there and they were able to get them. So it sort of kind of leaves the Pac-12 and George Klyovkov in a, you know, a difficult spot. There's not those easy ones you could grab. I mean, there's a lot of talk about San Diego State because you can bring in some of that Southern California market. You know, Boise yeah. State's had uh, success. Maybe a Fresno State. They have a you know, passionate fan base and the Central Valley's got a lot of people in it. Um, maybe an SMU. Have are, Any thoughts on adding group of five teams at all to the to the Pac-12? Yeah. I'm looking at the spreadsheet at johnconzano.com. All right, this is the Rosetta Stone for all of this. Okay. But San Diego... Uh, state brings 1.1 million households. Boise State brings 500,000. So I I would look at San Diego State if you really feel like you need some presence in the LA market. But we all know San Diego State is not USC. It's not like cutting into you know the heart of the Los Angeles market. Uh, I would look instead at the Big 12. I think there are some big opportunities. That Dallas-Fort Worth and Houston television markets combined for about five and a half million households. That's an interesting replacement. If you're looking to replace the divot left by the LA schools, I would look at, uh, let's try Houston and Baylor, uh, or let's look at SMU a little bit because suddenly you're in Texas now. So I do, I think, you know, everybody's been looking at it like the big 12 is going to poach the PAC 12. I'm seeing the other way. I think the PAC 12 is going to, um, pull together. I think they're going to partner with the ACC. And I think their next move is to try to pick cherry pick some of those big 12 schools. All right. Well, I'm feeling, I'm feeling more optimistic about the PAC 12 with every sentence John says right now. I like it. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. The yeah. as a champion can, can exist. We can, we yeah. can still exist. We can still exist. We can still thrive. And here's how the it, other thing. Like yeah. how much fun is it going to be? If let's just say six years from now, Oregon or Washington or Stanford make the playoff or Utah and they run into USC in the in a playoff game and an expanded format playoff game. How much fun is that going to be to see? Like, you know, I think I would look forward to that kind of rivalry, that kind of matchup. And I think the Pac-12 would be flying around excited about, you know, having a chance and and. Look, I, I think in the end, we're all going to look back and we're going to go, hey, this was this was all part of the evolution of college athletics. And I think a lot of us are lamenting the loss of true amateurism, like if it ever really existed. But I just don't want it to feel too much like the NFL, you know? Yeah. Same. That's uh, it's funny. You mentioned like, obviously, we haven't seen a Pac-12 team in the playoff for a long time. So to think that two form, or at least one current yeah. and one former member make it and play each other is maybe a little pie in the sky. But. It's going to be interesting this year, John, when USC and UCLA are on the road. If you ever been in a company, the short timers, you know, it's like a short, oh, short timer went to a bigger company. He's got a better job somewhere. I mean, you know, the water cooler talk isn't always the same when you're around that person. Uh, what is it going to be like, you know, if you're going to Corvallis, if you're going to Eugene, you know, Austin Stadium, when if UCLA or USC are there? I mean, that's I think it's going to be a little crazy. Yeah, and I think I heard that from the Texas and Oklahoma fans too. They they say well, you know after their departure to the SEC was announced, like every game became a little more hostile. And I think the crowd in Corvallis in that September matchup for USC is going to be electric. I think you know think about it. Oregon State beat USC last year. Now you know, everybody's viewing USC as the, the team that sort of led the disintegration of the Pac-12. I don't know if I put it fully on that, but that's the way fans are going to see it. And I think they're going to react uh, inside stadiums this season. 
All right. Well, anything else, David? I think we can let uh, John no, go. No, John, that was, uh, that was great. Great stuff. Really appreciate you coming on. Well, yeah. I appreciate it. And I, I love being on with you guys. Don't forget about me in 2024. <laughs> certainly certainly not I, I wish i was in uh i'm not i'm i'm on the road right now i'm not in my studio so i don't have the uh the great drop that you provided about you know larry scott liking to roll large you know champagne larry so that's uh we had to bring that one back after this this time i got keep gotta it go going really, yeah i gotta keep it going but john Gonzano, everyone follow him uh, on twitter john Gonzano bft and then you can go to his website johnconzano.com to get his columns and of course if you're in the uh, state of oregon you can listen to him on the radio every day uh, but thanks again, John. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Everyone else will be back in a minute. Take a quick break and we'll come back and answer your questions. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back here on the podcast of champions um yeah great stuff from uh john canzano we got to get into questions and uh we got cc we got a whole bunch of questions david as you can imagine since there's some big pack news CC says, "You dub fans aren't sad. Get over yourself." Well, shit. After listening to John Canzano, I wouldn't be sad either. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Did we say That's they were sad again, baby? Did we say they were sad? Yeah, know. we probably said some stuff. I mean, I'd be I, a week ago. You weren't sad. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um. Next up. Oh, I don't. Geez. I don't know if we can do this. You just think it's too long. I mean, holy cow. If, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is like, we're both remote. Yeah, I'm not doing that. All right, okay. next one. Uh, this is from uh, some phone number. Uh, USC and UCLA broke my heart yesterday, leaving the Conference of Champions and not thinking about West Coast football as a whole. It was all about money, and they did this in a sneaky way. I can't watch college football anymore. So the interesting point on this one would be, are people really going to stop watching college football? Not just because I will say this, Ryan, despite this being my job, my interest in the next two PAC 12 seasons has taken a hit. Oh, mine's been increased. Like I'm much more curious now, but like not you're like from like a narrative and storyline standpoint, you are, but like from an actual outcomes of the game standpoint, I don't know. 
I know I'm into it. I think this is not just like a conference realignment thing. It's it's like what John mentioned, like the death of amateurism. There's fans that don't like players getting NIL deals and making money. Um, certainly yeah, that fans, shit's stupid, but, uh, you know. But there's a lot of things that are happening that people are saying, I'm not going to watch college football anymore. Yeah, I don't that, know about that. I don't, I don't necessarily buy it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's something. Uh, this one's titled Emergency POC from Mike. Hey, Ryan David. I love the end of your show. Hilarious. As a Trojan alum who grew up in Michigan, I can only imagine the responses David will get from Big Ten fans. I agree with Ryan that they may not be too nice to you, David. I still remember sitting in the 2003 Orange Bowl, a row above Ryan Abraham with my 11-year-old son and Tom Hare holding up his car keys and telling the Hawkeye fans they can warm up their tractors. That did not end well. Ha ha, keep up the good work from Mike. Hey, Mike. Pretty great. All right, this is from David. Holy crap. SC and UCLA leaving. Holy crap, what a mess. All the rivalries and traditions decimated. I am really sad about that. For further realignment, I am curious why media markets don't matter as much or matter at all in your view. After all, it seems the LA being a large media market matters. For that matter, the Bay Area is the number six media market nationally and Sacramento is number 20. Combined, they are number three in the country. Doesn't that matter? And wasn't part of the problem with Stanford and Cal's ratings the last 10 years was that they were on the Pac-12 network, which didn't have reach? If you go back to the 2000-2010 time period, their games had better ratings. Cal versus Tennessee was highly rated, as was Cal versus Oregon before Oregon was a national brand. Those games were national games on ABC. Yours, David. Hey, David. Um, so I think there's some good points in here, and I feel like there's been a change. And uh, I think Andy Staples, if you listen to him, he's got some good takes on this. When the Big Ten expanded last, it was more about how many more you know, cable boxes can you bring in? And when they added Maryland and they added Rutgers, that was really a big thing. But then, you you know, you kind of, you weren't realizing at the time, but like cable subscriptions were going to go drop off. And that wasn't going to be the driver of this anymore. I think markets are still important, but it's, when you say like, hey, Rutgers has the New York market, well, they're exposed to it, but how many people walking around New York City give a shit about Rutgers football. Like that's the thing. And even Los Angeles, you know, there's a lot of people, it's a very pro sports town. There's people that don't care about college football in, in all those TVs, but there's still a lot of people that watch and there's, you know, you you have Palm Springs and you have the orange County. There's all the stuff around LA. There's a lot of people that, you know, care about the football team, those college football teams. So I think there's, there's certain markets that do, I think if you're going to say which, LA is probably the biggest college football market in the country because quantity two, has a quality all its own. Yeah. And, but they have two, they have USC and UCLA where like New York city doesn't have a, you know, there's no like big university that's won like division one national championships like USC and UCLA have in the same city. So it's, it's a pretty unique situation and it's also sitting on a, you know, fertile recruiting ground. So I, I think media markets matter, but sometimes you're talking about, you know, is it Miami? Okay, Miami's a big market, but there's a whole bunch of people in Miami that don't care about Miami football. They care about, you know, the Dolphins or whatever. Um, so it's, I, I think it's part of it, but, you know, being a small market doesn't help as much as being a big market, but it's, I don't think it's always equitable as far as like, there's this many people and that's what matters because it's not necessarily, some of those markets aren't college football markets. Well, and I'll, I'll just add one small point. It's an important point, 
but it is a brutal point. Uh, Stanford and Cal are shit. Like the, <laughs> the the football programs historically are shit. Uh, Stanford has had what in the last fifty years has had what six good years of football. It's been Cal a while. Cal had the beginning of the two thousands, and that's about it. I mean, right. it, the, the reality is that those those programs don't bring a lot. And they don't have huge fan bases. Um, like, when was the last time you heard from a Cal fan? We've got a few who listen to this, but it's not, it's not a huge, it's not a huge group anymore. Um, a lot of, and you know, you can blame Cal for a lot of that, um, the hires they've made, but, um, it's just, uh, there's not as, um, I guess what, what would be the word engagement, um, yes. from the people watching um those teams are from there's just not that many people watching those teams um speaking just about usc and ucla the the thing is ucla gets knocked a lot for attendance and shit and part of that is valid and part of it is they're in a ninety thousand seat stadium um you know getting sixty thousand in that sucker still looks like ass um and so uh, some of it's a little bit unfair ucla i mean (laughs) Bruin Report Online is living proof that some of these guys, you just can't beat them enough. They will still come back to you, um, you know, and UCLA has been absolutely crap for about 20 years now. And still, I mean, we're, I don't know, top 15 site in the network. Just a lot of people still care about UCLA sports um, and to a much greater extent, I think, especially in a passionate must watch every game way than Stanford and Cal. And that's UCLA. USC is a different story entirely. So. I think there is a combination of a lot of different factors. Engagement is one. Media market is one. The recruiting ground is one. There's just a lot that goes into it. But that's yeah. why, for me, the Bay Area schools, you know, I think they do have the media market. I think Stanford and Cal both have the academic fit for the Big Ten. I just don't know if the actual major sport engagement is there. Yeah, it's so weird that, like, Cal has been trying, you know, but they're the one school that doesn't really have, there's no like nothing. There's no like, they don't have a, a you know, like a, a I'm, I'm blanking on the word, but there's no shtick for them. Right. Like, you know, Stanford, there's a whole bunch of stuff that could happen with Stanford. Like the, the, the Oregon States and the Washington States, you know, they got their big brothers that could leave them behind. And are they going to leave them on the Island or are they going to get tied by the government? Like Cal, it's just, they severed, the, you know, the UCLA thing to break up with UCLA is just kind of like, wow. But now who's Cal's partner? Like, it doesn't seem like Stanford would be. Um, it's just so weird. It's just like the way what happens to Cal is going to be maybe the more curious thing for me. Um, if something happens to the Pac-12 and it doesn't exist, like in the in like the 10, per, you know, the 10 program form. Uh, let's see. This is from Keon. Our buddy in the Bay Area, he says, future of whatever the hell this podcast is. Hello, my fellow Big Ten fans, Dave and Ryan. On the emergency podcast, you guys understandably had no idea what the future of this podcast would be. Do you pivot to a Big Ten entirely, ignore USC and UCLA, and cover the remaining Pac-2? Ryan covers Wazoo, Dave covers Oregon State. Or go full national and cover college football as a whole. Go dark and produce one episode every three years in March when UCLA goes on a run to the final four, I actually think the answer is pretty obvious. You continue to cover the 12 teams that until yesterday made up the glorious fourth best collegiate athletic conference that we all loved. So this entails cover the same 12 teams, regardless if they are spread out over two, three or four plus conferences, 
Off-season previews will still cover the same 12 teams. Instead of organizing the previews by California, Pacific Northwest, Desert Mountain schools, you can organize them by whatever bastardly conference they are in. During the season, you could still rank the 12 teams each week as if they play in the same conference. That's the fun part. And no need to go to New Sounder for the soundboard. Just have Dave impersonate the sounds of all the additional schools that will now be mentioned in game recaps and previews. There will be more than six games to review preview, but we already do this for out-of-conference games. TV money is going up. 24-7 site money is going up. Let's go, boys. Anyways, uh, I hope we can all use this seismic event to look at the bright side and interact with fan bases that we have nothing in common with. For example, an IO fan told me to make sure that LA has a bunch of bush light in stock for them when they come to visit. When I told him I could offer up some mango cart instead, he was extremely confused. Not because he thought it was odd that someone would make or choose to drink a fruit-flavored beer. It was because he literally did not know uh, what a mango was. Uh, This is the kind of people we have joined up with. I already miss the Wazoo fans. Yours in remorse, Keon in the Bay Area. And P.S., my money is on Stanford going independent and slowly winding down their football team until it is effectively Ivy League status. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we still have to figure it out between the two of us what exactly we're going to do. Um, some form of remaining and covering the Pac-12 feels right. Um, but I don't know exactly, because we've got some bandwidth issues um, where how much can you actually cover in two and a half hours, which is our average length of an episode in season. Um, because we, we, we still have to do our due diligence on USC and UCLA. But they're going to be playing a whole different slate of teams. So we need to work this out. We need to figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right. We got next time. Up, yeah. Next up uh, from my 63 Chevy, why just why? With UCLA and USC leaving, I'm just curious as to why the Big Ten has become so much more valuable than the Pac-12. The Big Ten is full of mediocre teams that play in smaller markets, yet they at least on a surface level have a lot more value than Pac-12 schools with nearly identical circumstances. Nebraska has no media market, and they haven't been good since nearly a decade before the players on its roster were born. Iowa City has all of 75,000 people, and let's face it, no one wants to go to Iowa for an away game. Same with the markets and brands for most, not all, of the Big Ten teams. It seems on paper as though the two leagues are very similar in terms of quality of programs and available media markets, yet the Big Ten seemingly has way more value. I don't understand why that is. The Pac-12, in theory, has the entire country west of Denver to exploit, while the Big Ten has a bigger overall footprint. But as I stated earlier, a lot of these markets and fan bases bring almost zero to the league's value. So what's the deal? Is this more East Coast bias, bad management? Do places like ESPN, Fox, etc. just consider the Pac-12 an inferior product? Because I can't see a lot of difference between a USC and an Ohio State, a Cal and a Northwestern, or a Wazoo in Minnesota. They are basically the same kind of programs located in different areas, yet they are looked at so differently. Make it make sense. I will help. Every single person who goes to Nebraska watches Nebraska football. Every yeah. single person who has ever ventured into that state for longer than a couple of weeks watches Nebraska football. Um, even with Nebraska being bad, they all watch it. Um, I don't know if the same thing is true of every single Big Ten program, but it is truer of each Big Ten program more than it is true of any Pac-12 program. Um, yeah. They just care more. So they're more inclined to watch, which means they're they're whatever ads are being bought for those time periods are more likely to get, you know, sales or whatever. Um, they're just a more valuable audience. Um, you know, the this is where I, like 
the engagement of the audience matters, not just the um, number of people in the potential market. So that's a big part of it. Um, but, uh, you know, people just watch the games a lot more. Yeah, it's you, you look at the TV ratings and I think there's like a magical number of if you can get four million people to watch games. I think the Pac-12 gets a couple of those a year and the Big Ten gets a ton. Um, they have the big brands like the Ohio States and the Michigans that have huge, huge followings. But also, you know, Minnesota, you mentioned Minnesota. What's the difference? Well, a whole lot more people watch Minnesota games that care about Minnesota games than Cal games. It's just that's what it is. I mean, I, I mean, Iowa football is like a, a, you know, people start shutting down on Wednesday for the Iowa. I mean, this just doesn't have stuff like that doesn't happen here. And part of it is, you know, we have a lot of, you know, bigger markets with professional teams in those markets. But, you know, if you're in Seattle, there's a lot of people that care about Washington football, but there's a lot of people that watch the Seahawks or the Sounders or whatever. And they, you know, they're, they're out in their boat. You're going to Bainbridge Island and just, you know, there's, there's a lot more stuff to do. If you're in Iowa, that's that's what you do. But the fact that that's what you do, I mean, we, you hear about, oh, my grandmother died at 95. She watched every single Nebraska football game her entire life. Like, there was, didn't matter. She was always going to watch that. Do we have a lot of grandmas here that are watching um, Stanford football? Like, no, there's probably some, but not like everybody. Um, it's TV ratings. It's just so many more people are paying uh, paying attention to those games. And it just matters. It, you know, you say like the SEC, it just means more. It's similar in the Big Ten. And that, you know, you have these huge markets. That's why your TV deals are bigger. It, I mean, and huge ratings. It's, it's not just about the market. Like if, if you're in a small market and you got a huge rating, like if Boise State, you know, John Canzano mentioned like 50, what, 500,000 yeah. TVs. But if they were just like the funnest team ever and they were doing the Statue of Liberty play all the time and they had like this national following, that would be worth more. It doesn't matter that they're in a small footprint. If a whole bunch of people watch Boise State all the time, then that would matter. Like people watch the Big Ten games. There's a lot, a huge, huge, huge audience. And that's why. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, I think there's a voicemail from the Sith Lord. I, I, I feel like he's singing in that. Yeah, he's singing Creep by Radiohead. Oh, okay. So it's like, well, well, well. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Sith Lord Dave. That's right. It's me. Uh, Rose Stanford? I don't know what he's like. Yeah, it's tough. Oh, it's something about being a Stanford fan. Uh, and then he sings Creep by Radiohead. Okay. That's You're so doing. fucking special. What the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here. Which is, Keep it you mediocre, know. boy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he said Spanish in here, but I think it's special. So that's Maybe we'll come back to it. Um Jake has uh, provided a tweet here. Um, uh, that I didn't Stanford, see until I saw the email. Yeah, so the Stanford good. tree quote tweeted me. So I tweeted out on June 30th. Here's how it all shakes out, in my opinion. Oregon and Washington sprint to join USC and UCLA in Big Ten country. Arizona's Utah and Colorado prop up the Big 12. Oregon State, Wazoo, and Cal join the Mountain West. Stanford literally never plays another athletic season besides Salem or whatever. So a long way to go to make a joke at Stanford's expense, which we all do. It's fun. So uh, none of that, by the way, is going to turn out to be true. Uh, the Stanford tree then says there's an inherent sexism in propping up football and men's basketball and designating all other sports as sailing or whatever. We have the most national championships of any school and our women athletes deserve respect for their contribution to that legacy. So this is um, a little bit of concern trolling. So 
First, uh, I am not, I, I was not aware that Stanford only had women's sailing as a scholarship sport. So if I had known that, I much more likely would have picked like rowing because that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a co-ed, um, you know, just to avoid this sort of thing. But the critique here isn't me critiquing sailing or whatever. Like the, the, the thrust of what I'm doing is criticizing Stanford for not being committed to major college athletics, you know, not being committed to football and basketball. So kind of a, you know, using the opportunity to, you know, to, to throw some shade at me, which is fine, totally fine. But my, my, my intended strike, and maybe I, maybe I mishit, was uh, against uh, Stanford's um, commitment to giving a shit about football. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't think anyone, you know, everyone knows Stanford was winning like the Sears Cup all the time or whatever they call it now. Uh, championships and all kinds of sports. Well, and uh, sailing is the one sport they have that, like, I don't think anyone else in the league has, or maybe just Washington has. So it was the one that was the most Stanford. But again, right. if I'd known it was just women, I probably wouldn't have said sailing. I would have said. I women. thought they had a men's sailing. No, okay, it's not. No, it's not a scholarship sport, apparently. Oh, all right. So um, now you- yeah, and 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 I mean. I don't think we talk about Olympic sports a bunch, but like what drives the bus? It's, you know, football, even basketball is not as important. We don't talk about basketball hardly at all. Um, is that fair? I, you could say it's not, I don't know, but like, that's what, when we talk about it, that's what people care about. When we would, you know, I would put up basketball stories sometimes and people would email me complaining. Like they want more football stuff. Yeah, let me be clear. Very few people give a shit. That's not to say, you know, these things don't have value um, because they do. They have value for the people who are participating. I mean, I like knowing that, you know, UCLA water polo continues to be very good. That's fine. Um, It's that nobody or very few people give a shit. Like they don't watch. They don't pay attention. They don't care. Um, A lot of these sports don't even have like stands for an audience to sit. Like it's just. And that's fine. They're, that's not their point. But I, I find the like concern trolling about it just very like tiring. Yeah. Yeah. Olympic sports matter uh, to some esoteric extent, but nobody cares. If people cared, there would be people talking about it. Like it's sort of a, it's like a human centipede. But it's you know if if enough people cared about track, right? then there would be websites devoted to covering track recruiting. Are there? No. That has nothing to do with sexism, because there is men's track, too. It's that nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. It's not fun to watch. Like, yeah. that's... Water polo is really hard to watch. That doesn't mean that it's, like, not a good sport or it's not valid. It's that it's really hard to watch. Like, half the action is literally going on underwater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also very slow moving because you've got people literally fucking swimming up and down a pool. Have you watched yeah. people swim? It's not a fast endeavor. Um, and look, I can watch water polo and be like, that's got to be the hardest sport to play. Like, it's got to be the hardest goddamn thing you can do with your body um, to just try to maintain with your waist at water level while you're trying to shoot. Like when you're doing that wagging thing with your arm. But yeah. you're having to maintain half your body out of the water. And all these dudes are – all of them, women included, are all just ripped. So there's so much weight above the water. So their legs have to be just incredibly strong. Yeah, that's harder than running in football. Yeah, that's that's a lot harder. It doesn't mean that people are going to watch it though or care about it. Um, yeah. And I just – you know, 
it's fine. Like people want to get excited about, you know, Olympic sports. And I think there is like the valid critique of, you know, why don't people care about women's basketball as much as men's basketball? And I think that's all, you know, that's a much more on the nose sexism argument. But, you know, whether people just care about Olympic sports is not. Yeah. So David hates Olympic sports and marginalizes women's sports. That's what you yeah, can take that's, away. That's what you're, that's, that's the only valid takeaways. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on. We could talk about this stuff some more, but we got a text message. Uh, unsigned. Best defense is a good offense. George Klyovkov whiffed by not pursuing a Pac-12 and Big Ten merger. Uh, rest of your podcast was spot on. USC and UCLA split in the middle of the night for the next two years will be brutal for them. Warming up my arm to egg suck fans at Utah on 10-15. The Big Ten would want nothing to do with a merger with the Pac-12. No. No way. Uh, they did that little handshake agreement, but even when they, that they agreement came out, on what, what'd you say? They didn't even follow through on that. No, but like even when it came out, people were saying, why would the Big Ten do that? It's sort of like, you know, they're Coke, and we have RC Cola, and I don't know, Mr. Pibb, and we're like, let's all be in the team together. And you're like, Coke doesn't need RC Cola and Mr. Pibb. Like, the Big Ten didn't need the Pac-12 and the ACC. They sort of want a united voice against the SEC. And the Pac-12 and the ACC were hoping it was going to kind of keep them from raiding their, you know, backyards. And obviously that wasn't the case. The the ACC was safe because they got that 50-year grant of rights deal, whatever it is, goes to 2036. The Pac-12, though, their deal was coming up. And they were trying to prevent uh, the Big Ten from poaching their schools. They thought the handshake agreement would do it, and it did not. Uh, it's from Frank in Sacramento. The future is bright. TV coverage wrecked football. The coming TV deals may save elite college football for us all. USC playing on Friday and even a few Thursday nights. Oregon kicking off at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time on a Saturday with no potential recruits watching. The goofy Pac-12 after dark disaster that networks forced us into. The Mid-American Conference playing on Wednesday nights. We suffered through all that until the L.A. schools said enough and left. In two years, we'll get morning, early afternoon, and dinnertime games that people actually want to watch. We'll watch 40 schools with helmet logos and names you recognize in two major conferences, mega conferences. No more headaches watching games on blue and even red turf. The future is bright unless you're a directional school. Sounds like Frank just wants to watch the NFL. Frank, there's an entire league where you can watch exactly what you're talking about, and they even play better football. You should watch that. Yeah, I, I still hope that there's a way to keep some, you know, I like the blue turf. You know, you want to I like watching like games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. I like watching games on many different nights and many games on those nights, too. Yeah, I did, but the, I think his point is you never saw like Ohio State playing on Thursday night or Alabama playing on Thursday night. Um, Whatever. It's a different deal out here. Um, yeah. Now, was there some stupid shit going on? Like USC and UCLA never should have been asked. Actually, Bay Area schools, USC and UCLA, never should have been asked to play Thursday or Friday early evening home games. Never. But no. road games, like playing at Utah on a Thursday, that's actually kind of fun. That's fun to watch. Um, yeah. And Utah fans show up for that shit. Um, the, the, the home games are the problem. Yeah. Uh, we got an email from Jonathan, Larry Scott's fault. Uh, Ryan and Dave, great job on the podcast. I guess the decision comes from comes of the L.A. schools to leave the Big Ten, comes down to, quote, the chickens have come home to roost with the ineptitude of the Pac-12, as well as, quote, money talks, sentiment walks. 
How much of the blame uh, for the LA school's decision falls on Larry Scott from Jonathan? Uh, a big portion of it, but I, I, I do. Uh, let's not remove USC and UCLA's agency here, because as I've kind of rounded the corner on this, um, they they I won't say they had I won't speak so strongly as to say they had a duty to try to make this work in the Pac-12 a little bit better than they did. But it probably would have been better for almost everyone else involved beside from like, what is the the marginal difference between uh, uh, call it 70 million that they might have been able to extract from the Pac-12 and their new deal a piece and the 90 to 100 they might make in the Big Ten, right? What is the marginal difference in that 20 million dollars and does it offset the competitive disadvantages of going to the Big Ten? Did they have a duty to themselves, the league that they had been a part of for 100 years, and, um, you know, whatever, Klyavkov or the other schools or the other member institutions, to try to make this work a little bit stronger than they did? Yeah. That's that's, uh, that's the question I think everyone should be posing to uh, UCLA and USC is, did you try? Like, did you, did you even ask whether you could get a little bit more money? Right. I'm curious about that. I think the the thing, though, David, is like they're probably going to make we saw the get like the way that John Wilner was explaining this, uh, you know, as years went by and then the Big Ten was going to get a new deal. The SEC was getting a new deal. The gap was getting wider, you know, and when it looked like, hey, the the big payout was going to be the Pac-12 network was going to be where we own it. So we can do a lot more of it than if we had. Fox or ESPN own half of it with us. And that was a huge, huge disaster. That was just a disaster. You know, you got nothing. Like the tier three rights were just crap. Um, you know, at some point, it's, I don't think it's going to be like a 70 million to 100 million. I mean, it seems like it was going to be more of a 40 to 100 million. Like you were going to be two or three times. But left. what I'm saying is, what could you, what could UCLA and USC have extracted from the Pac-12 in terms of an unequal revenue share to stay in the league? Because I think we can all agree, the Pac-12 as it exists is probably going to. Uh, I think the number that was banded about by one of those Big Ten insiders that seems to know a lot was that it was going to be about 220 to 250 without the LA schools. The number that Wolner was talking about when the LA schools were included was about 500. So it would have been, you know somewhere in that ballpark of about 45 million to 48 million per school um, if UCLA and USC had stayed. Well, could they have gone to the Pac-12 at that point and said, well, no, we want we each want because we're bringing the L.A. market. We each want 20 million dollars more of that. And you all have to take a cut from the remaining pool. If you compared the two numbers, all the Pac-10 schools, the existing Pac-10 would take that in a heartbeat because it's a big difference between what they would have made. Without those two, I don't know if they would have. That's the problem. Just because when we were talking about this before, David, like, and I, you know, if you're looking at it now, you take it. You're like, oh, I didn't realize they could leave and make a lot more money. But when we were talking about this before, like, there was always, there was always pushback. Um, there was yeah, always but, these concessions where it's like, yeah. nope, you can't, you can't put Cal and Stanford in the South because. We need more Pacific Northwest trips to like there was always these other things that were right, outside. But that, of, that was UCLA and USC operating with le weak leadership for a long, long, long time. But if you go back to the last time 
and I was reading Wilner's story about this actually from a few years ago. If you go back to the last time that um, uh, USC and UCLA wanted a thing that a lot of the rest of the league didn't, which was the inclusion of the Arizona schools, they big dicked them hard and changed their minds in about 15 minutes because the obvious ramifications, and this was before TV dollars became such a huge thing, the obvious ramifications of the LA schools leaving the league were was Armageddon. Um, yeah. And that was obvious in 1978. Um, it's even more obvious now. And it would have been obvious to anyone if you actually made the threat. And it was a credible threat. Um, I guess my point is there's a cost associated with UCLA and USC um, going to the Big Ten for those schools that's getting swept under the rug. One of the costs is that um, USC is what right now in the Pac-12, like a perennial like nine and three ish program, like if you average it all out sure. right, over the last like 20 years. They're going to be an eight and four program in the Big Ten because you're adding um, long road trips, um, probably a slightly uh, higher level of competition. And, yeah, you've got Lincoln Riley and the whole thing. Coaching is temporary, um, but the, the, the status of a program is pretty stable over time. Um, UCLA, OK, you've been a, well, I don't know, 500 program uh, in the Pac-12 the last 20 years, something like that. You're now going to be a five and seven program. Um, how much does that hurt? all the other shit associated with the university that doesn't get factored into a TV deal. Um, this is the kind of stuff that I, I, I just, it's a money grab. It's an immediate money grab. Um, it's assuring a seat at like whatever table, but their decision to do this has accelerated the need to have a seat at a table. You know what I mean? Like they are creating the conditions by which this is justified. But if they hadn't created these conditions, maybe it would have never been justified to do this. Yeah. I think the thing I'm and you know, covering USC, being able to do this podcast, hearing from fans, hearing from reporters that are cover the conference, maybe it's just me, but like my gut was like the having an unequal split, yeah, now it's like, oh yeah, we would do that. But I I think it would have been fought. I think it would have been something that was Fought and like, and who is the onus on? You know, if I'm dating a supermodel and I realize she's way the hell out of my league, and I'm just gonna like, all right, well, but she's dating me, so I'm just gonna take it for granted. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but is it on her to be like, hey man, you should get in the gym and get in shape, and uh, you know, kind of like just realize that like what you know, if you kind of take it for granted, and then all of a sudden she leaves, I think it's on me more you're, than you're it's dating. On her. You're dating a supermodel. That you've been dating for 25 years. In fact, you could call yourselves married. You have yes. many children together. Like there, there's a shared history. You've had a lot of love and laughs between the two of you. Yeah, there have been moments of conflict, but mostly you've smoothed them out. You even adopted a couple of kids like 10 years ago. Like yeah. there's, there is a lot of connection here. And, um, somebody like say there's this like this great guy and you're just like, uh, I'm, I want to go with him. But there's, you know, you don't know him. You don't know his family. You don't know his. He's got kids of his own. Uh, he lives across the country. Um, your kids aren't coming with you. You're going to have to come back and visit them. Um, what would you be willing to do to still make it work? The, the funny, the kids thing, you've mentioned this a couple of times. And when I talked about. Like, Arizona and Arizona State are USC and UCLA's kids. No, they're not. Yeah, that, that's well, much to it. 
There's so, not that. There's not no, that no, relationship but, there where you have to. No, you're not supposed like, to. It's, it's not USC's job, UCLA's job, to care for Cal. No, no, no. You, this, is where, State, this is where this is where your inherent child. your inherent fiscal conservatism is is it, it does not apply correctly because to create a sustainable sports league, you have to share revenue. You have to. Every single sports league in the United States shares revenue to some extent. You have to do it. And the reason you have to do it is for competitive reasons. USC needs local schools to play. UCLA needs local schools to play. All of these schools being in the same region is beneficial to those schools. Like it's beneficial to their competitive stance. Um, the only reason this is happening is because of the, the draw of more money, which I mean, I, I've been on the record for a long time. I think there's diminishing utility as you get higher and higher in the money. But that's the only reason this is happening. But there, the drawback is you are losing so much in terms of your competitive strength because you need to play local. You need to have the road trips that are not a huge pain in the ass. Getting out to getting out to Michigan is going to like Michigan. That's in the middle of Big Ten country. It's not even the far side of it. That's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really hard. It can snow there in October. It's not like people keep talking about like late November. Oh, it's going to be brutal. It could snow there on October 1st. Are you going to just front load the entire Big Ten schedule to September and play your non-conference slate in like October and November? Because these are the conversations that need to start happening. And um, I Michigan's think it's in the be, West, though. It's, it's in that? their fight song. They're in the West. So I figured they're pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Well, they were in the West when Michigan was founded. Um <laughs> I don't know. There's 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 a lot of like the costs associated with this that I don't think are being factored in, at least in the discourse about this. Um, but there's going to be a real monetary cost to losing more games a year, which both USC and UCLA are going to do on net. Um, and there's going to be a lot of um, less easily um, analyzed direct costs that um, should get factored into any calculation about what the what the true TV dollars are. Yeah. I mean, I, I like your arguments. It's just hard to take you seriously knowing you've marginalized women's sports. So Stanford <laughs> tree told me. <laughs> I uh, believe the Stanford tree. So the Stanford tree tells me that you're just, I just believe them. So I get it. Or, hit, or I believe the tree. I don't know if it's a him or a her or a they, I'm sorry. Uh, whatever uh, the pronoun is, is of the Stanford tree. There's probably a pronoun. From, this is from Sean. Okay. Expansion scenario question. Hey guys, Sean from Ohio. I'm sure you are getting a ton of these expansion emails, so I will try to ask mine in a different way. As it stands now, at 10 with what is what it has left, is the conference strong enough to attract schools, or are we past that point? If they are not strong enough to attract, is the Big 12 that much of a better option than the Mountain West? Most of the teams that people are throwing out there as schools the Pac-12 should go after are from the Mountain West, so what is the chance that a conference tries to add those schools instead of the other way around? Also, does the conference still deserve the Conference of Champions moniker, or is it time to modify that or drop it altogether? Stanford's championships and nine other schools who don't win much has a nice ring to it. Keep the podcast going, whatever you name it, or whatever you talk about now that you can become Big Ten homers. All right, John answered most of the stuff in the first part, but Conference of Champions. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can keep it. I don't think I, that's still the case for the Pac-12. No, because yeah, there three schools have won the most championships. Stanford, which will still be there. Uh, UCLA and USC. I think so. I was, I was watching. Cal has a decent amount, but it's not not in that same. No level. one over a hundred. Like those schools each have over a hundred, and the conference has like five hundred something. So obviously, you know, you're you're approaching like 
350, 400 between those three schools. And if the conference has another 150 beyond that, you know, that's, it's like the rest of, you know, the rest of the schools added up have like what Stanford has. Um, but they did. So it's funny. I'm like, oh, I, I get the Big 12 network. I mean, the Big 10 network. Didn't realize, you know, I have YouTube TV. I can watch the Big 10 network. Um, and I turned it on that first night and they were talking about not just football, but they said you add USC and UCLA and it was like 243 like championships that you were adding um, to the conference as a whole. So, yeah, it's a it's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know if you can call it the conference of champions anymore. Oh, God, this is not looking good. All right. Uh, completely new super conference. Uh, Nathaniel from Marietta, Georgia. Hey, you jerks. I like this already. Uh, thanks for leaving us out in the cold, putting aside the anger and sorrow I have felt over the last few days. I understand why USC and UCLA had to do it, but two things I want to put in front of you. One for Dave, uh, do you feel like the way college football is going is an example of a late stage capitalism where money is the only object and everything is commoditized, ignoring tradition, norms, and values? Absolutely. Um, I think it's yet another example of just, um, I mean, one one thing that I don't think has been addressed enough is how much of this is due to the TV networks and how much of it is due to the monopolization um, by Fox and ESPN um, that they are truly like, I mean, even I mean, CBS and NBC don't even really bid on this stuff anymore. Um, it's hardcore, very um, just a two pole system. Um and so, I mean, I, I would wonder, actually, if uh, the Pac-12, if it was actually feeling a little bit more desperate, whether they would sue, um, because there's got to be some level of antitrust thing to hang your hat on. Um, of course, none of those laws have meaning anymore. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's 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 bad. Um, it's another example of bad um, where money is driving everything, making everything kind of smoother, um, taking a lot of the nifty and interesting stuff out of um, this thing we all love. Uh, you know, I mean, should Oregon state football matter? I mean, it's in Corvallis, which is a small town. Like, should it matter? I don't know, but it's cool that it does. Like it's, 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 it's fun watching um, games up at Corvallis. Like it's fun knowing, you know, Oregon state could come down and beat your ass sometime. Um, you know, it's, that's, that's part of the joy of college football. Um, and this move, like if it, if it, if you follow it to its logical conclusion where there's the super conferences and two big leagues, um, and then a bunch of other small piddling crap that they barely bother televising or playing. Um, I don't know. It loses a lot of its charm. Also the fact that I'm going to have to care about UCLA at Indiana in football of all things. Um, that sucks. Like, I don't want to watch that. I mean, I, I don't like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, we're all like, you know, UCLA fans are going to have to, but like, there's no charm there. I mean, they've, they haven't played, you know, I, I can sit here and still be pissed off about Mike Riley beating Jim Morris, 2012 UCLA team. I have no thoughts about really any big 10 team in the context of UCLA, except Illinois. And the only thought I have about Illinois is it was the worst goddamn football game I ever watched was UCLA playing Illinois um, and beating them six, three my freshman year of college. Um, but there's a shared history with the, the PAC 12 schools where, you know, I can pinpoint, you know, uh, UCLA at Washington state in Carl Durrell's last year, where Khalil bell clearly tore his ACL 
sat out on the sideline for a little bit and then was thrown back in there to fully tear his ACL. Like, I remember that. That happened against Washington State. That was something. I remember uh, 2005 at Stanford, UCLA, having to make this incredible comeback in the last, like, seven minutes of the game. Um, All this stuff, you know, I mean, not to sound like uh, the Blade Runner speech, but um, all these things lost, like tears in the rain. Um, It's just, it's going to be less. It's going to be less than that. Um, you, You will not be able to bring yourself to give a shit about UCLA at Indiana, not only because... There's no shared history, but you're also not even going to be playing them every year. This goddamn conference is too big. Like, it's going to be a minimum of 16 teams, could end up being 20 or 24. Um, So it's just going to be regionally subdivided anyway, but not to the extent that it was previously. It's instead going to be like USC, UCLA, say they do add Oregon and Washington. Okay, that's nice. And then it's going to be what, Nebraska and Iowa? What the hell's that? That's not a thing. Um, (laughs) So it's just... There's a lot of regrettable aspects of this, as there are regrettable aspects of many um, aspects of the um, societal situation we're in with late stage capitalism. All right. Uh, Number two, he says, what are your thoughts on this crazy idea I was thinking about? And I heard from Josh Furlong, who covers Utah, a third completely new super conference with the best of the schools left using Stu Mandel's recent Kings and Barons rankings. Here are the schools still on the table. There are Clemson and Notre Dame are two Kings. Florida State, Miami, and Oregon are Barons. And then you have, for the Knights, Arizona State, Baylor, BYU, Cal, Georgia Tech, Louisville, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Oklahoma State, Pitt, Stanford, TCU, Utah, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, and Washington. There are 21 teams here, but this is a list of the best football programs still on the table. Keep in mind that even though the Big Ten will have one more King and two more Barons than this new league, they also have Five peasants, Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana, Illinois, and Purdue. So if they created a new 20-team league and then divided the money each year by viewership and performance, this could be very attractive for Notre Dame and Clemson. For example, on a year that Notre Dame wins a national championship, they could get um, $150 million. The average for the other schools could be $67 million. But a butt last Stanford would get $45 million. He put a table for all this. So how could Clemson and Notre Dame say no to a league where it'd be easier to win and potentially give out more money? Maybe NBC, CBS, or Amazon would want to step up and back this league. I think it would be awesome. Your thoughts? Uh, And he says, P.S., I think it would drive me crazy to think about all these great programs left out in the cold while peasants like Vanderbilt, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, and Purdue, spelled incorrectly, makes $100 a year being pieces of crap. Kick them out. Um, And he does give a chart that basically – you know, if the Big Ten, everyone makes 100,000, 1 through 16. But the, the new conference of champions, you could make 150 at the top, 120 for second, and then down the bottom in the 20s, you'd make 45. Uh, could be interesting. The problem is the ACC isn't going anywhere until 3036. Like, even when Kazana was talking about the, the – he didn't talk about a merger. He talked about an you know, agreement. If you opened it up for a merger um, – that would open up the grant of rights deal. And that's what's locking all of these big programs in. That's why Clemson's not in the SEC right now. Um, so I think if you did something like that, you wouldn't necessarily get everyone to go to this new conference. Clemson might be like, yeah, I'll go. Sure. Just open up the grant of rights deal. Nope. Okay. I'm going to the SEC now. Um, if you, oh, if you break apart the ACC or get uh, crack it open, there's going to be some programs that slither out of there and you're not going to have them anymore. Right. This is from John. 
Most betrayed. Hello, Ryan and whale barnacle in human form, David Woods. I'm sad USC is leaving the Pac-12. I'll miss the rivalries, the refs, and the drag racing leading into games kicking off at 8.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Who do you think feels more betrayed that the L.A. schools are leaving? The unloved 10 remaining conference foes or the private equity ghouls who run Sprouts Farmer's Market, official grocer of the Pac-12? Thanks and see you in hell, Utah, Oregon, and Stanford. Well, I don't know how much Sprouts paid, but how pissed are they they paid that amount when they could have only paid for 10 schools? True. Yeah, um, no, I, I think they're feeling bad because they are true private equity ghouls, which means that the bottom line is the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, oh, this also reminds me, I got an email from our friends over at Jockey. Uh, unfortunately, uh, hopefully you guys haven't used those gift cards we sent out for leaving a five-star review. They would like all of those returned. So if you could do me a favor... <laughs> Please return those gift cards, and uh, yeah, we might do it again in, in the new conference, whatever it's going to be. But for right now, they they need those back if that's okay. Love it. Just kidding, obviously. Um, they're uh, it was funny though, but I have like my Pac-12 jockey jacket that I put on, and it just felt different when I wore it. You know, like is that kind of weird? Yeah, kind of weird. All right, this text- next one is a good one for you to read. Okay, text message: backstabbing USC with a dollar sign and a lowercase C. Belongs with Pedo U and Rape Again State. Uh, congratulations, Ryan. You fucked hard. Well, I love that you think that I'm like a part of this. Like I'm going to, you know, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's a five-star review right there. That, that seems like it. it's a good text message. Uh, <laughs> this is from Ben in Toronto. Oh, an international. Plan to oh, save we're gonna, Yeah, we're going to end on this one. All right, cool. Gentlemen. I've been listening since 2015 and possibly your only listener in Toronto. It took quite an event for me to write in. Here is the best and simultaneously the worst school to add to the Pac-12, the University of British Columbia. Positives. Less than three hours from Seattle. 37th ranked institution by Times Higher Education. 70,000 plus students. Four national titles in football, most recently in 2015. Very large TV market. UBC had possession of the Rose Bowl trophy briefly in 1992. Negatives. Small stadium and fan base. The border. The team would have to change rules from three downs to four. Although a joke suggestion in many ways, imagine bringing in some huge new markets. Toronto, the fourth largest city in North America. Vancouver, Victoria, Montreal, Calgary, and Edmonton. Thanks for all the great work. I'm going to take this one step further, Ryan. Uh What if the Pac-12 just switches to Canadian rules football. Ooh. That could have some interesting ramifications for a TV deal. Suddenly you're getting a unique sport, ESPN and Fox. I like it. Yes, and Uh, you could add UBC. And then everyone just adapt their rules. Yes. And then you're playing literally a different sport than whatever the hell is going on here in the Big Ten and SEC. I don't know why they had the Rose Bowl trophy in 1992, briefly. I want to know about this. 1992 Rose Bowl Trophy UBC. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a lineman problem on the West Coast. What if oh, we there was, it was one of the trophy capers. Uh, it, it oh. went, um, it was a stunt from USC students. Oh, okay. Um, what if the, the, what if the Pac 12 could go to eight man football rules? You know, maybe a little interesting. De emphasize the linemen some. Could be interesting. Um, I like it. Well, Ben, thanks for listening. We love the international uh, emails and stuff. Um, 
that that is great. Uh, thanks for listening. From yeah, and and uh, just uh, I, I realize this is a little elitist, but your English is phenomenal. They don't. Yeah. What do they speak up there again? Uh, it's like a Canadian a Cockney. Of, yeah, yeah. Okay. Something. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, impeccable. Then it is really good. Um, <laughs> as far as it goes, uh, we love the Canadian. I've. I love my Canadian friends are so fun and nice and it's just really easy to make fun of them. And we always joke. And, uh, my one buddy's like a huge hockey guy, you know, play still plays hockey. And I'm like, wait, like Florida teams are winning the Stanley cup. And like a Canadian team hasn't won for like 30 years. Like it really bothers them. The Canadian team hasn't won the Stanley cup in a really long time, but, um, yeah, kind of funny. Uh, we did get a tweet, a, a recent tweet from John Wilner before we go. Um, he says, my conjecture is there a third door being explored by ESPN instead of the PAC 12 ACC partnership that, you know, we talked about with John Gonzano or PAC 12 uh, going PAC 12 teams going to the big 12. What if there was a split up? So the four corners to the big 12. So that means the Arizona schools in, um, you know, uh, Utah and Colorado and then Oregon, Washington and the Bay area go to the ACC, which I guess just leaves out Washington state and Oregon state. But, um, he said, crazy, maybe, but this feels destined to be, this feels destined to land outside the box. Uh, any thoughts on that? That's basically splitting up the pack. Like, that's, you want to know what my thought on that is? That's if, crap. Uh, no, if, uh, UW Oregon and the Bay Area schools end up in a single pod in the ACC, that's a better situation than UCLA and USC in the Big Ten. Interesting. All right. Uh, I think the problem is, though, that does open up the Granite Rights deal. If there's going to be, if they join, if they adding, if they're adding conference members, I think that gives schools an opportunity to get out of it. Um, totally does, but it also um, could incentivize Clemson and such to stick around. I don't. I, this is where it gets weird for me because I don't know how eager Clemson's going to be to go to the SEC, like. And have to because the thing is they can be kings of their little shit pile right now. They're in a similar position to what USC was, where you can be king of this, or you can be like what the fourth best program in the SEC, third best, something like that. Which one do you want to do? And this is where it's that balance between how much are you running your school like you're a private equity firm, and how much are you running your athletic program like you actually want to win football games? Yeah. All right. Well, we should probably wrap this up. My, uh, I come back here to help my mom and I'm just like sitting in the living room podcasting for like two hours. It's been a long time. We did a long show. Yeah, this has been too long. Uh, but that's good. Uh, I think this was a little bit better. We've all got to digest stuff. Uh, you get a little more cynicism from Dave, probably less enthusiasm. Maybe, you know, you didn't want to hear any kind of enthusiasm. It was just sort of like this crazy thing that we were talking about before. Uh, hopefully a little more measured this time and hopefully you guys enjoyed the show but that'll wrap it up uh, for david woods i am ryan abraham like i said hope you enjoy the show and we will talk to you next time bye
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.